Hello, everybody, and welcome to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I am your host. This podcast is about my personal experiences, stories, and events with dealing with borderline personality disorder, otherwise known as BPD. My experiences with BPD is due to my wife, now ex-wife, who I have been with for 34 years, was diagnosed with BPD in 2012. And I want to share my experiences with you so that if you are someone who has somebody in your life with BPD, that you may relate to what I'm saying along with my personal tips and suggestions that may or may not work in your specific situation. And if you are someone who has been diagnosed or think you may have BPD, that you may recognize the signs and understand the havoc and turmoil that it can have around people that are involved in your life. Let me caution you that I am in no way qualified or certified in the field of mental health and that my personal suggestions are merely my personal opinion and do not recommend that anybody take any mental health therapy into their own hands, but to personally seek out the help from a professional in the field of mental health. And furthermore, if you are a couple, you might even consider counseling to help further your relationship a little bit better. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Thank you again for listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. This is Brad Shattuck, your host. And this episode is Triggers of Love and Hate. And the reason I uh, call it that is exactly what it is. Um, This is my suggestion of observing and living in a um, relationship with borderline personality disorder, my wife. And if any of you have been following my episodes, you know exactly what I'm talking about. My very, very first episode was Triggers. And triggers just happen to have been um, bad triggers. But this one is actually triggers of love and hate because I believe there are triggers that can kick off great parts of the relationship and also bad parts of the relationship. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy this episode and further listen and let's get on with the episode. So thank you again for listening to Living in the Third Degree BPD. This is Brad Shattuck, your host. Um, first of all, I do want to apologize for any background noise. I'm actually in the park, Thanksgiving Day, 2022. And um, cars driving by, kids playing, people talking. Um, but anyways, I just thought it's nice once in a while to do my episodes outside. More for myself, it's more of a serene feeling and um, you know, the atmosphere itself. But anyways, back to uh, the episode, calling it Triggers of Hate and Love. Now, we all know we all have our own triggers. Even without BPD, we all have triggers. Triggers of love and hate. Now, a lot of us, like myself, my biggest triggers when me and my wife would fight is talking about my mother. My mother was very controlling and wanted me to be a mama's boy, but I didn't really want to be. So she'll tease me about that. She knows that's my biggest trigger. And that would, you know, tick me off. And that would, you know, bring me from zero to asshole in five seconds. So we all have our own triggers. You know, there's no need of me digging deep into your past and, you know, wallowing around there. And, you know, you you all know what your triggers are. But we're talking about BPD here. 
Now, again, this is my suggestion, my observation of living 33 years with somebody who has BPD. Now, um, as most of you all know, one year ago to the day, me and my wife had Thanksgiving together. Now, it was a week after that, long story short, she was made to leave her mother's house, which was uh, left to her until it was sold through the family and probate. And she did not speak to me. Um, she ignored my text messages, phone calls, everything for six months until May 20, uh, sorry, May 16th um, of this year. So for six months, she did not talk to me whatsoever. Um, I had no communication with her. She was staying here and there with friends and family and them all making her leave because of her BPD, her episodes, and so forth like that. Well, since we got back together... During, I should say, back up a little bit, put the brakes on, a little bit in reverse. I had said, now, if I want to make this work, they always say, the biggest thing is if you want to make a relationship work, don't try to work on the other person. Don't focus on the other person. Focus on yourself. Change yourself. Change yourself and good things will happen, either a new relationship or the person that you're with. If you focus on yourself. Now, my suggestion is focus on yourself on how you can make the relationship better. So, yes, kind of in a way it's working. Uh, it's not focused on you um, exclusively, but work on yourself, yes, but also how you can make the relationship better. Don't worry about, well, how this person, I know what I can do, but they need to do that. Don't worry about them. What you need to do to make the relationship better. And I'll explain a little bit further why, okay? And, I, and I'm telling you this from freaking experience. I never thought of this before, and I said, you know what? I'm going to try something different. You know, they always say you can keep continuing on with the same thing and expect a different result, but what do we all know? It doesn't fucking happen. It just doesn't. So I said to myself, I'm going to do the suggestion of changing myself, but also I'm going to um, do what I can to change the relationship um, as far as, you know, what I can do. What, what can I put into it? What can I do to get out of it? Um, you know, so anyways, what I did was I listened to audiobooks. I read books, anything that's got to do with relationships, um, BPD, so forth, stuff like that. And um, it, it did. It helped me a lot. Now, a lot of the books that, that I was listening to, um, audiobooks I was listening to and reading, is all about the person with BPD is talking about, you know, leaving them and, um, you know, anything that you can do to get away from the relationship and so forth. Now, unfortunately, if you love that person like I do my wife, you're not really looking to leave the relationship. You're looking to hopefully them to change and make it better. And what do we always do? We always focus on them. Them, 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 them. You know, we can say, um, you know, it's not me who needs to change, it's them. Or some of us who can actually admit we have issues say, well, yes, I know I have issues, but the majority of it is them. They need to change. Well, the thing is, what I'm saying is, yes, it's all good and true and everything, but you can't make somebody else change. You can give them suggestions, you can offer them advice, but again... That's not focusing on yourself or the relationship. Yes, you can throw little tidbits out there, but it's about them. They have to grasp onto it either like a magnet 
North Pole and South Pole, or North and North, and, you know, reject it, or, you know. Now, again, that's completely up to them. You want 90% of the focus to be on you and what you can do to make the relationship different. I would say even 95%. What you want to do is, again, you don't want to try to change another person. You don't want to even suggest um, that you're trying to control the relationship or control them. What you want to do is, like I said, offer suggestions as far as... So, like I said, I, I sat down and I said, okay, listen, I've, I've tried this before as far as a little bit of seeing what her needs are, see if I can suck it up and just, you know, do what I need to do. But again, the problem with that is kind of enabling, you know, like for instance, um, I shouldn't have to walk on eggshells so she doesn't have you know episodes but it depends how deep the eggshells are like okay it would be kind of ridiculous if I have to walk in eggshells um, like in other words I can never go to a store alone and if I had to uh, this well this is how it used to be if I went to the store by myself even if she sent me she would say you should have only been gone 15 minutes Five minutes there, five minutes in the store, five minutes back. You were 16 and a half minutes. Who the fuck were you screwing? And it was, sounds ridiculous, but it pretty much was like that. So I used to tell her all the time, when she'd ask me to go to the store, I said, no, you're going to go with me. Because every time I go alone, you accuse me. Well, she would have the flip side and say, yeah, you don't want to go this time because your girlfriend's probably not around. I said, oh my God, I can't win. When I go, I'm screwing when I'm not. You know, just like we used to have a streak. When I went up the street, she's like, every time I go up the street, you always look over at one of these houses. Is that where your girlfriend lives? So I start going up another street. And I said, then I'm going up a different street. She goes, you're just doing that to throw me off. I said, my God, I can't win. But those were in, I call the ridiculous days, when everything she was doing was absolutely ridiculous. It was new to me. I was wondering what the hell was going on. I was confused. But now, like again, back to what I was saying about sucking it up and tiptoeing so when we got back together some of the things I was tiptoeing on was when we'd go into a store I would always make sure I held her hand um you know or put my arm around it because she used to say oh you're not doing that because it's going here you want to press you don't want to know I'm with you and sometimes if I did do that she's like you're trying to let your girlfriend know who I am so she can look out for me I'm like listen I'm so sick of not being able to win but anyways, so when, when we go into a store, if I didn't have my arm around her or hold her hands, she would get upset. Were you embarrassed of me? So now this is, this is exactly what I'm talking about. So I used to think to myself, can I just catch myself and make sure I can be a loving husband and hold her hand all the time? Whenever we get out of the car, make sure I walk over and grab her hand and walk in public with her. Well, now I go above and beyond. What I do is I run around the car. I make it look cute. I jump out. I'm like, don't get out of the car. And I run around. I open the door. And I'm like, after you, madame. And I let her out of the car. I hold her hand. And I kiss her. And I say, you're beautiful. And then we walk along. Well, I started doing that. And I noticed. Now, this is six months ago. When we got back together. I made sure that every day 
I told her, and it's not in the morning, I would tell her that I love her. I tell her how beautiful she is and how attracted I am to her and how much I'm in love with her. And after all these years, I still feel like the first day that I met her. Now, I tell her that every day. Now, here's something. Now, we're talking just in the first month, maybe not even two full months. I started doing that. And I started remembering the things that she used to say that I didn't make her feel loved. Now, my version of making her feel loved was always being with her, um, not going out hanging out with guys, not going to the bar. Um, you know, she said you didn't, I didn't make her feel wanted, loved, cherished. Well, in my mind, I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I've always said I loved you. and But then I think back and I'm like, but did I really look at her and say it? So I started changing my ways and I used to say to her, you know what? Now, again, this is all the, the past six months. I said, you know, when I say I love you, I know a lot of people only say it because they want to hear it back. They want that reassurance. They're not really letting you know they love you. It's almost like going to a counter. They put a pack of cigarettes down and you hand them a 20 and they give you a pack of cigarettes. You're handing them something just to get something in return for your own benefit. So sometimes, you know, when they act upset or something, you go over and you say, I love you. And you're not doing it to cheer them up or to let them know, hey, I, I love you. You're saying it because you want to make sure that they still love you or you want their reassurance. It's kind of a selfish move. So I told her one day, when I say I love you, don't feel like you always have to say it back. Sometimes just say thank you or say I know or you don't always have to say I love you back. Now, you know what? From doing that, this is one thing she never, ever used to do. She would never come up to me and say I love you or be the first one to say it. Well, since then, you wouldn't believe how many times now she will look at me and say, I love you. And I'm like, wow, I love you too. Because it's an amazing turnaround. She's done a complete 180. So when I say about the uh, triggers of love and hate, these are the triggers of love. So I've touched on the triggers that made her feel horrible before. She didn't feel love. So now I always tell her I love her. But I don't just tell her. I give her a feeling. Like, what I do is I don't just say, I love you, honey. I always make sure I give her a kiss when I say it. Or I make sure I hold her hand and I look in her eyes and I say, I love you. You know, so this feeling in it. You know, if you've been with this person long enough, they know when you say something, if you're being sarcastic, if you mean it, if you're just saying it, you know, whatever the case may be. Well, in my case, my wife knows that, you know, when I'm saying something, she knows if I mean it or not. She just knows. We've been together 35 years. So I make sure that, you know, and also with knowing her, I know how to say something so she, you know, knows I'm telling the truth or not, um, or if I really mean it. So I remember one day I said, you know, I used to say this a lot. Do you know I love you? And she would say, I don't know, or I'm not sure. She would say it all the time. And I'm like, why? She's like, I, I don't know. I just, I don't really know. Well, a couple of months ago, I had asked her, I said, you know, the same thing. I go, do you believe I love you? And she said, I'm starting to. I was surprised. I said, why? She said, because you're just, you're different. You're treating me the way that I've always wanted to be treated. And I said, wow, okay. I didn't get into too much detail. Well, just last week, I looked at her and I said, do you know that I love you? Do you really, like, really know how much I really love you? And she looked at me and she said, yes, I do. And I was stunned. I've never heard her say that. And I said, can I ask you how? And she's like, there's just so many things. And I said, just give me a few examples. 
She said, well, first of all, I love how you say I'm beautiful. She goes, it makes me feel beautiful because I'm so self-conscious about myself. And I know you used to say it, or I used to think you just said it to make me feel good. She goes, but I know you know, I, I know you believe that I love, um, I know that when you say I'm beautiful, I know you really mean it. She's like, you always want to take pictures of me. You're always touching my hair. You touch my neck and tell me I'm beautiful. You don't just say it. You always, you touch me when you say it or you look me in the eyes. She goes, I can tell you really mean it. And that makes me feel special. And she said, I feel secure and cherished because at nighttime you always want to cuddle up to me. And even if we don't have sex, and there was, as a matter of fact, for a couple of weeks we didn't have any sex, but I still cuddled up to her. And I remember she said, you remember the last couple of weeks we didn't have sex? She said, the thing is, like most men would probably put up a bitch about it or, you know, um, you know, think there's something wrong. She goes, you never even said anything. You cut up to me just because you wanted to, because you loved me. And I said, you know, that's the thing is that's about love. I said, I, I love you that much. It doesn't matter about sex. As long as I'm with you, I love you. And she said, you know, that's what made her feel, you know, really special and cherished. And it was all these little things that I realized in the past I didn't do. You get to listen to her inner inner wants and needs. You know, like I said, she always, you got to really think about it. What did she, your other half, always say when, you know, you get into an argument? You know, do they, do they say, you don't make me feel loved, beautiful? cherished, secure, wanted, needed, whatever those little things are, if you know that person enough, you know that that person can, uh, what, what exactly they mean. Like when my wife said, um, she doesn't feel beautiful. Well, you don't just tell them they're beautiful when you're going out and they do with their hair or something. You don't just say it then. You know, like I said, what I, what I would do is, Throughout the day, I would just say, oh, you're so gorgeous, you're beautiful. You know, I just stroke her hair. You know, even sometimes she would say, I didn't do anything special. What do you mean I'm beautiful? I said, you don't have to do anything special. You're just beautiful, and I just want to let you know that. And the other thing is, just try to be cute. Like when she's doing the dishes, I'll come over, and I'll come up behind her and give her a hug and give kiss her on the neck, and I'm like, you're so sexy. Or what I would do is I'd purposely be behind her, like on the other side, of the kitchen, not that far away, but I'd be standing there, and I'd make sure she would know that I'm standing there, and she'd turn around, and she's like, what are you doing? I said, just looking at you, just looking how sexy you are, and it would, just those little cute things just really make them feel special, and that's what this episode is about, is all about the triggers of love, and if you do those little triggers, things can change. My wife has done a 180. Now, she has had BPD for who knows how many years, but it came out like an explosion in 2012. This is now 2022. Now, just six months ago, I got her to do a 180 because I have been touching on those triggers of love and really keen in and listening to what she needs. She has not had one episode of splitting in six months. Now, this is somebody we used to actually have one or two days of getting along, and the rest of the days was holy hell. You know, I was lucky if I had maybe seven or eight days through the entire month that I considered no fighting whatsoever. No exaggeration. Maybe ten. The rest of the days were hell. Absolute hell. Now, this woman has done a 180, and I believe it's because I did touch on those areas that 
she needed to be fulfilled. Because without those areas being fulfilled, she's already confused. She's in her body in a confused state, not knowing, why do I have these feelings? Am I crazy? Why does everybody look at me and treat me this way? Why is everybody abandoning me? You know, am I crazy? And then they look towards suicide. And people leave them. They push them out because they don't understand. Well, the ones that love that person, like me, love my wife, you try to work around it, work through it. Yeah, it's hell. But if you find the right way that can work, you can turn the relationship around and do a 180 and actually be in love with each other and have a healthy, happy relationship. I know for a fact because I've done it. I have a 180 that turned around because I did do these things. And I, I'm telling you, there's been no difference in her therapy. She's only had one medication added on, but that's not what did it. It's, I believe, because... I pushed on those buttons and those triggers of love. And I filled those holes that she needed fulfilled. And I make her feel secure. I don't make her feel crazy or, or you know, scared or, you know, about her disorder. She belongs in society. It belongs in this world. So all I can say is work on yourself, but work on yourself on how you can make the relationship better. See what you can do by knowing your other half so well that you can understand and listen when they said they didn't feel loved or pretty or wanted or cherished any of those words what can you do to make it better you can use my suggestions and see if it works for you but with all that being said if you have any questions feel free to email me at any time thirddegreepodcastnh at gmail.com that's t-h-i-r-d d-e-g-r-e-e p-o-d c-a-s-t-n-h at gmail.com and hope to hear from you soon and like I always say love the person that you're with with VPD because they find it so hard to love themselves they're confused they're shattered they're bent but they're not damaged but they need you they need you by their side so with that have a happy relationship have a happy life and thank you again for listening